Michael Douglas just trying to make she went subatomic, have emotional weight was fucking hilarious. <laughs> Jesus Christ, Doc, you disintegrated Einstein. Disintegrated Einstein. Einstein. Welcome to Science at the Movies, a podcast that looks at the role of science in some of our best loved and most hated movies. I'm Frida. I'm Abby. And this week's movie is... Ant-Man! Yay! Great. Listen, it's been a while since we, since we did a um, Marvel. You got a nice big break there, man. So you should be ready for this. <laughs> how, how, how are we doing? How are we doing? Ant-Man, how are we doing? Ant-Man, how are we doing? I am where you were um, when you before you went to the conference and you were saying, oh, you know how when you put a study together and then they accept you into the conference and then you're like, oh, no, I have to actually do it now. Oh, yeah. Yeah, okay. so that's yeah, yeah. yeah that's me. <laughs> I, threw, I, I threw a study together because my main project just wasn't where it needed to be to be in a conference. So I like threw something together so I can go to the conference um, and here I am <laughs> two weeks before oh, and shit. I'm like, shit, I, ca- I I said, you know, for a while I was like, I'll get to it. I'll get to it. Didn't get to it. Yeah. Never get to it. <laughs> and this is a poster too. So I've got to, and, and like, I came back, I came back cause I was on a holiday and I came back to work and I'm like this week, I'm going to be so on it. <laughs> One week has gone by. I haven't touched the conference. Like haven't touched it. What's wrong with me? Oh my God. <laughs> I'm just, it's like a fetish. Like I push myself to the last minute so I can use that anxiety or something like that. Yeah. So I've got a conference in two weeks. I have to produce a poster. Before that, I have to produce results better than P equals 0.049, which is kind of where it was at. Um, so that's me. Exciting. What about you? <laughs> it is exciting. Yeah, I'm kind of like... I'm in a weird kind of zone, you know, it's like I had the conferences and all that and I came back and it was like a whole month of it. And I felt like because you're at all that stuff and and you're so immersed in it and that's great, but then you kind of come back and it feels like, okay, but I feel like I haven't done anything for a month and now I'm a bit lost, you know, and it's kind of like, oh, oh. man, okay. So now I got to figure out what I was doing before I went to all the conferences. <laughs> for sure oh yeah okay how do I how do I figure this out (laughs) so yeah it's it's just I'm in that like little middle zone also I've kind of realized as well that I'm I'm settling a little bit more now now that like my PhD um, project is really kind of underway I'm settling in a little bit more to the rhythm of it but I definitely still have weird feelings about just the entire uh like action of doing a PhD like something that I've been struggling with recently is um, I- I'm so used to in undergrad, you-, you always have goals, you know, it's like you-, you need to get this, you need to get this chapter done. You need to go review that lecture. You need to, um, you know, do this problem set. You need to write this like summary thing or work a bit on this project and, and your deadlines are very, very quick um, and close together. And then you've got your exams and all that kind of stuff was PhD is more a long haul thing. And I'm really struggling with the not achieving things regularly, if that makes sense. 
like like you know the it's you know you you work on it every single day but you don't tick things off every single day because it takes a lot longer to work on something and for me what that does is it makes me feel like I'm not being productive because I'm not ticking things off and I have to remind myself that it's like well yeah because you're working on something that requires a lot of time and effort so the thing that you're going to tick off it might take four months to do but that tell my brain just says too slow too slow you're not you're not you're not productive yeah <laughs> so I don't know that's where I'm yeah. kind of currently at yeah no I totally understand to the first the first point that you were like going away and then coming back it's also the same if you just go away on holiday mm. and you're like what was I doing where was I up to it, it, it's like uh that's always a little bit hard but it just takes it just takes ages I think that is the hard thing about a PhD like mentally mm. that it takes so long um but I think Something that I had to learn in science is that you can't look at a week as a reasonable amount of time to get something done. You have to look at your progress over months. Yeah. Like you just have to. It's unreasonable to expect to produce anything in like weeks. It's like, how was February? Yeah, that's that's a good... And, and I'm, I'm and starting to think about it from that perspective a bit more. Just even just in mm-hmm. the last week, I found myself kind of calm down a little bit and be kind of like, okay, you know, just, just focus on trying to get what this done and, and feel good about, you know, making progress on it. So, yeah, hopefully. Normal. Yeah. So normal. <laughs> so that's me. That's all. I have, no, I have nothing else Great. to report. <laughs> Reasonable science chats. Yeah. <laughs> Let's get into it. Yay. Sorry, I'm very, very excited. Like I said, it gave you a long break and now we're here. So let's do my summary for Ant-Man. Okay. Scott Lang is not just your average deadbeat dad, gets out of jail and can't find a legit job. So agrees to do that one last robbery because he heard like his Sally heard something from this other guy about like a big score of some old dude's house. He's also an electrical engineer. Scott Lang is a thief with a heart. He's a modern Robin Hood, and now he's trying to do right by his kid. But life on the outside is not coming so easy. So when he steals a suit from a mysterious older gentleman, a chance for redemption is offered. But weirdly, that redemption requires that he breaks a bunch of laws, causes massive destruction, and keeps it all a secret so that other people don't get their hands on the tech. He can shrink really small. He can pack a man-sized punch. And he can talk to ants. He's Ant-Man! Ant-Man. No wonder the comic didn't do so well. Ant-Man. <laughs> How was Ant-Man for you? Fun. Like, you know, fun stuff, fun characters. Um, but obviously it was like, here's a movie to introduce Ant-Man and to do all this cool stuff. And we'll just throw this plot together. We'll just like throw it together and like put these people in there. A lot of who are kind of phoning it in, you know, just like make these jokes, boom, funny character, funny sidekick. And like a lot of the plots, um, like, it's stupid. It's really fucking stupid. Listen, it's really fucking stupid. Let me finish my rant. These plot bits go like this. I'm trapped in this thing and oh my God, I can't get it. Oh, I got out. You'll go down to the quadrant rail and you'll never come back. Oh, I came back. Like every little thing that's a conflict is like so 
easily overcome in this obvious way that and then they're all like it's too dangerous we can't do that you know like you'll what if it got into the hands of our enemies <laughs> they just all seemed like they were being like burp, 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 burp. You know, everyone was just going through the motions and like, look, we've got to make this movie and it's going to be really cool. But when the special effects come in and like, that's really what we're here for. So don't worry about it. And <laughs> but other, yeah, on the whole, it was fun. But yeah, super stupid. The plot was just like thin, thin, thin <laughs> plot, like thin, thin plot. <laughs> it's the thinnest plot. It's but so such fun good. moments. That's the thing. It's like, it's goofy. And, and it's fun. But yeah, exactly. It's like, you know, considering we're a science podcast, it's fucking stupid <laughs> completely it's stupid. so stupid okay i'm glad all right good so it's okay i agree I do. great i have okay let's go okay well look, let's get into the cast because this is kind of yes. i have a, i have a specific Huge. reason as to why i think it's stupid so oh i don't know yeah. i was gonna end on it let's, let's actually just start with this because to me one of the reasons why i think it plays uh wrong I don't know how else to say it is because I honestly believe that Michael Douglas is the absolute wrong casting for that role. It is so fucking wrong. It's like he is way too serious of an actor. Like everything about the movie is goofy and silly. Even he has lines that should have been goofy. He has lines that should have been funny and comedic. And they never played that way. Everything he did was dramatic and it was so wrong. Anyway, that's my mm. that's my rant about it and why I think a lot of the the aspects of the whole the the story of it just didn't play because it's so wrong. Yeah, like they needed someone who could really pull off being insane, being disturbed, but being loving, like John Lithgow, who I'm yes. sure they could never get. But, you know, someone like that who has the gravitas, but also the comedy, and you could imagine them locking themselves in a room for 10 years. Michael, Michael Douglas just being like, I'm a scientist. I'm not one of you business people. But he just felt like he felt like he was reading off lines for like a Saturday Night, Saturday Night Live skit where they were like, all right, Michael Douglas, you always play business people, but like you'll be a scientist. And, and he just has to be like, no, it's too dangerous. What if it got into our hands of our enemies? This science takes you down to the quantum realm. No, you know, and it, it felt like a joke. I just... uh, but Michael Douglas in Marvel makes sense to me. It's, it I, seems like the kind of guy that would, would do this gig, though. So yeah, on, on a weird wrong, level, it made sense. It's the wrong character. He they, There's other characters throughout <laughs> the entire MCU that they could have brought him in to be. But, like, the moment yeah. where he's trying to tell Hope about what happened to Janet, <laughs> and it's like, I knew that we had to go between... I knew that we had to shrink between the molecules, but my regulator wasn't working. It was just like, it's supposed to be this emotional moment and fucking Evangeline Lily is there like crying because her mom is like in the quantum realm, whatever. And you're just like looking at Michael Douglas going, what are you, where is this? All what I can think of, do you know what's really stuck in my head is I can't remember the character's name or the actor's name. You'll know it. Um, Doc Ock. It needed... I was just thinking here, Willem yes. Dafoe. Willem Dafoe. No, not yes. Willem Dafoe. But He's... yes, Willem Dafoe. Absolutely. Oh, no, Doc Ock. Sorry, Dafoe. sorry. But Willem no, but... Dafoe. I was just thinking of the Green Goblin. Yeah, but do you know what? Him as well. Uh, Willem Dafoe or like who played Doc Ock? I can't remember his name. It's really annoying me. Alfred Molina. Fucking hell. 
Alfred Molina. Uh, yeah, um, any. Ca- I feel like a good character actor could like sweep that yeah. sweep that up. Then Michelle Pfeiffer has got to come into the picture as the other scientist. It's like the whole thing is just absurd, but it, but it's funny. It kind of it's funny to me. It's so funny. <laughs> All right, well, that's my Michael Douglas rant, so we can leave him alone now. What about the rest of the cast? There's so many. I actually love a lot of the actors here. Mm. Not, you know, not saying they did a great job in this, but some of them really like Corey Stoll gave it everything. He's such a good villain. He's a great villain. He gave it his all. Congratulations to him. And not to skip ahead, but I know you've seen Quantum Mania. Do you like enjoy the Darren? Just enjoy it. Now that I know. Yeah. Quantum Mania, yeah, the gag is funny, but then you're like, it's a lot. Oh, because He's there the whole movie. Yeah, it's he's lot, great. I love it. It's a funny gag. It's great. It's silly. <laughs> um, what, Who else we have? Obviously, M- Michael Pena. Oh, who, I love him so much. I love him. I just, yeah, I adore him. He, he's the hardest working actor. Seriously, do you remember how we were like, he's literally, the only reason we gave Moonfall was any bit of a score was for Michael Pena. <laughs> like, he shows up no matter what, does his thing as best as he can. Like every single role, yeah. he turns up. I really enjoy his character as well. I like the way he speaks. I like his, um, I just like, I like the cadence of his speech as well, but also just like, you know, like, how's your girl? She left me. Yeah, my mom died too. And my dad got deported, but I got the van. <laughs> it's like, oh, bless. Yeah. <laughs> I love him. But uh, another one I had was Martin Donovan. Yeah. I like Martin Donovan because he's just, he's one of those, he, he's just like this good looking older guy. Okay. That's all. He's just a <laughs> handsome older man who I like. He looks nice. Cool. That's it. <laughs> and he looks like the guy that plays Blaine. You know how there are some actors that just look like each other? Yeah. You know there's like a couple of yeah. those? Yeah, oh yeah, yeah. He, he looks like the guy from from sweet from um Pretty in Pink, the guy that plays Blaine. Oh, no memory of Pretty in Pink. They just Pink. always look the same to me. Anyway, yeah. yeah, I think that's all the cast. And then cool. and then Paul Rudd as well. I kind of just, I think with Paul Rudd, I feel like he's phoning it in. Like he's just playing Paul Rudd at this point. Like he did, turned up and he did his job, but he was just like, I'm going to do this thing, the whole movie. Yeah. And it's just my thing. And I I love him, obviously, big fan, long time. But I just, I, I thought he has given up. <laughs> There's like a he's few, just doing Paul Rudd. Yeah, there's like a few spots in it where it's just not right. Like there's a few there's a few parts where you're just like, oh, it's just a bit. Yeah, I see. I see where you're coming from. There's there's a couple of scenes or there's a couple of lines of dialogue where he says it, and I'm just like, oh, that just felt very. But I actually feel like it's because he's playing against Michael Douglas, who was giving fucking nothing. So you're I, not wrong. Yeah. Like I think he he's doing the best he he can against these robots. Mm. Um, he's like, but up, but but boom, like all these lines. Um, but he it didn't feel like these were real people. He didn't feel like yeah. yeah no. Michael Douglas is a cardboard cutout. Yeah, I mean he is. It and was also such like, bad casting. I'm such a fan. I'm such a fan of Paul Rudd. Absolutely, but I just it's he's not believable to me whatsoever as like an ex-con. 
It just doesn't work. I know it's like a Robin Hood thing. I know that what he did wasn't like, it's not like the standard crime thing, but like he's, it's not believable to me. No, he, he's, he's a bit cheeky, but no, he's got no badness to him. Like you yeah. have to, you're bad. Like you have to be somewhat a little bit bad to do what he was doing. And there's no one bit in Paul Rudd that I think he's bad. The, the initial crime that he was in prison for was a very specific crime that doesn't connect to this idea of this ex-con who keeps getting in trouble and keeps landing in jail. But, like, it's not the same thing. So it, it was just a bit but weird. But he had skills. He was amazing at breaking in. It's not because he did it once. That, so this, this character, this doesn't make a lot of okay. sense to me. He was obviously, he was so confident. Oh, and by the way, when he, when they were like, oh, if you get caught, we're here for you. And he's like, I won't get caught. And they go, I love it when he's cocky, as if they've done this several yeah. times. So again, okay, I, I, I don't just think know. it was yeah, hasty just, yeah. writing. Yeah, It was written like shit. It was paper thin. The plot was paper thin. Yeah, <laughs> It didn't make any sense because they just wanted to introduce Ant-Man and have cool special effects. Yeah. Okay. All good. We get it. Okay. All right. We should move on because we've talked about them. <laughs> yeah. Um, do you want to do best bits? Lots of people. Yeah. I really only have like my best bit is very clear. Like what is my best bit? So it's just one thing. All right. Okay, cool. Uh, well, then just go for it. It's the train thing. It's so clever and hilarious. <gasps> so it's when they're on the Thomas and having the fight. And every time they pull back, you just see a, tra- a train being like... And it's very comical and it's so entertaining. Yeah. And Thomas's eyes, there are a few parts like that with it, with, you know, even it kind of like when he's, when he's with the ants in the ground and it feels so scary that he blows up and he's sitting in the dirt and he's like, that felt, that was, that was scary. I, I swear. And so but the Thomas was so funny. It was yeah. like very, it was like clever, but it was scary, but it was also funny. And I really enjoyed that sequence a lot. The ant blowing up, Thomas blowing yeah. up, um, the whole thing uh, you know uh, why the the, the the little girl just watching and, yeah. and they're all just kind of oh the parents are just kind of waiting outside for everything to resolve while the little girl's like stuck inside <laughs> anyway all good but it was it was, that was my best yeah, bit I loved it. that that was mine as well it's like that entire sequence i mean both it was that a couple of the sequences but just the way that they do the contrast i do think it's done visually really well the whole contrast between when he goes down you know the whole scale thing with all the stuff around him visually it's fantastic all the objects that they give you uh but yeah i love those moments like cory stall like down there like the train's coming towards him he's like ah and you're like it's a big train ah and then it blows out and you're like oh yeah it's it's a kid's toy it's <laughs> yeah <laughs> so good um it's really yeah, they, good they really just did, the sounds exactly they, they played with that so well to kind of give you that contrast of like the it's dramatic it's exciting it's so much action it's scary and then suddenly it's like oh yeah no this is so goofy i love yeah. it yeah like what's the little girl actually seeing it makes you realize like the, what the little girl is seeing this all sort of take place on her on her train track yeah <laughs> The end of the day. Yeah, I love I love that they mucked they mucked around with scale in a way that was very satisfying. Yeah. I had one thing what, that what they did. You? I just have one other thing that they did that I just I don't know, it just made me giggle a lot. And it's it's when the three boys are in the truck and they're coming to Scott's house because they want to help them out and they're like, Scotty needs us, nothing's gonna stop us and then they get there and there's just cops everywhere. It's just back it up, back it up slow. Back yep, it up. yep. 
back it up, back it up, back it up, back it up. I just, I, it just made me laugh. I can't help it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's all, really. Yeah, That's all I wrote I that one. Up. <laughs> so fun, so funny. Yeah, yeah. There were a few pretty good lols. Louise, also Louis, uh, Louise, and his um. You know, his wine tasting and his art exhibition as yeah. well. It's like these little things. And he's talking about Rothko. He's talking about Rothko yeah. and, and, and abstract art, you know. But, like, th- th- that was very funny to me. His character is um, his character is way more kind of, like, expand. Like, you know, it, you, there's little hints to how his character is more than what you know the normal kind of concept of just this guy who's like an mm-hmm. ex-con and stuff so yeah it's pretty cool yeah and i love the dubbing as well the this person told this person and the and the way that he his he the perfect oh, yes. dubbing of his voice onto the characters telling the story was entertaining oh, everyone well, acting really out michael pena's um char- char- yeah. character yeah that like perfectly oh it was beautiful yeah Mm-hmm. <laughs> um yeah so that's that's all really uh should we get into it are you mm-hmm. ready to get it? is there anything else you want to bring up nope right um i wrote themes but like look the theme from a science perspective is a long-standing thread in marvel movies it's the classic uh humans as weapons uh, here, instead of a super soldier serum that created Cap or like the botched version that created the Hulk, this is a different kind. Um, Cap is more centered around the soldier, like in the field with the men, but the Ant-Man suit is about espionage. They're spies. So while the super soldiers were about using size to dominate, Ant-Man is about using size to sneak around. And that's pretty much it. So kind of, that's all I, all I feel about with themes. I know that there's other themes, but in terms of science, like that's just it. It's like, hey... Let's make a soldier, but a spy. Yeah, you've seen it before. It's kind of similar to, I mean, obviously a different technology, but um, similar to Iron Man <laughs> 3, was it? With the soldiers, with the suits and the, oh, if we'd gone to the hands of our enemies and yeah. this could change everything. And it was a similar thing. It's a common thread. Um, should, should I, can I just call Raph in? Raph, Raph just really wants to give his opinion of the movie. Yeah, He's sure. waiting in the wings. Okay. Cool. Raph. All right. So here's Raph. Uh, hey, we, Raph. We just You can talk about um, into, um, into here, what you thought about the movie, and anything you want to say about it, you're up. I think the movie's really good. It's the first Ant-Man film out of three. I'm on Quantumania. just came out. I like... Uh, how it introduces Ant-Man. I think it's very interesting. His whole story, how he became in prison and then how how Maggie married a cop. I mean, I think that's... I think that's cool. Yeah. And I also like that... I also like that bunny that he gives Cassie that says, I'm your bestest friend. I mean, yeah. that's just... It doesn't even sa- say it right. Like, that doesn't make sense. It's a cute bunny. Cool. Well, it's a terrible bunny. <laughs> and, yeah, I like it. I like him going to the quantum realm, but it's also, like, if without that scene, basically, the, the next two Ant-Man movies, which I've already watched, wouldn't even exist, pretty much. Because, spoiler alert, if you don't want to watch this, don't. Ant-Man and the Wasp, they rescued Janet from the quantum realm because Hank continued learning about it, because he realized they could come back from the quantum realm, Ant-Man Quantumanias, 
uh, and am and Quantumania is about it being in the quantum realm. So mm. yeah, cool. So that yeah, they just had to set that up. Cool. Thanks, mate. And also, wait, you have to have a shower. <laughs> Close the door. You have to shower. <laughs> He hasn't showered for like two days. Okay, that's a terrible thing to say. Stop it. He's got to shower. <laughs> Let's go. <laughs> All right. Tropes, okay. Tropes. On. Let's get into tropes then. What is your trope, Frida? I've got several tropes. I'll just I'll just start listing them. Yeah. So science demonstrations galore. It's just full of these insane science <laughs> demonstrations. And it's your favorite. I thing. know. And the whole like. Huh? It's your favorite thing in movies, isn't it? Um Yeah, yeah. I mean I, I wish I wish I could do them like that, but it's just it's so over the top. But also like the superhero training montage. Classic. Um there's even an angle grinder montage kind oh, yeah, of thing. Yeah, yeah. Or with, yeah. you know. Oh yeah. <laughs> there's oh here's here's a trope. First of all, the father and the daughter. Like, the scientist's daughter only is explained because her father was a scientist. Why else would a woman be a scientist, yeah. right? Like, and, the, and and that whole whatever. But also, <laughs> here's a big trope was the woman punching a man in the fucking face. Oh. And going, all right, princess. I love it. Like, it's a good punch. You, do you love it? It's a great punch. It was a good, you just punched her in the nose. And then says, all right, princess. Yeah. You're not offended by that? No. Okay, you're cool with that? Yeah. <laughs> All right, so I'm not offended by it either. Should I keep going? I have more tricks. Yeah, go on. Just keep rattling all, them off. Get it all out of your system. All right, misdirect, misdirection. So at the beginning, the punch-up is being punched, and they're like, oh, we're actually friends, and this is just a ritual. And then I wrote mis, misdirection with the Baskin and Robbins. That's a funny thread, too. Yeah. Baskins and Robbins don't fuck around. Baskin and Robbins, we found out about your uh, record. <gasps> we love it. <gasps> but you're still fine. Oh. It was like mis, misdirection. Okay. Um, Imagine what our enemies could do with this technology trope. Um, oh, I saw the nice schmo and the bitch ex-wife and the guys being like, get out of my house. And then he's like, but it's my daughter's birthday. Get out. You can't come here, but it's her birthday. I didn't it's think she daughter. was a bitch like, at all. You don't think? Okay, no, you thought not it was at all. all right. Fair enough. Okay. Turning up to the birthday is very tropey, you have to agree. Yeah. And they're being like, get out, you didn't. And he's like, but it's her birthday. You can't turn up here, but it's my daughter. It's tropey. Next. Anyway. Um, oh, yeah. Here's one for you, Abby. Suiting up too quickly when the ants are like 10, 9, eight. Oh, no, he, that's. He just suits up that's, in 10 Yeah, seconds. no, that is literally, I was like, we're supposed to believe that he got that suit on in five seconds. This is, this is my one. This is my trope. <laughs> No, I'm like countdowns. Go. Countdowns. I can't, I like countdowns in movies drives me fucking insane. The ants literally read nine and the suit is in front of him and then he's putting the gloves on and the ants read four. It's like, why Why can't you be realistic? Why can't you give it something realistic? Like five seconds. Five seconds it. he got that Ant-Man suit on him. What? I love you have an issue with countdowns and putting on suits. Drives me it's insane. like a very specific yes. movie problem yes. that you you are really stuck on. When it's there's normally, a countdown yeah. and they're putting a suit on. It's normally space suits. 
It's normally like astronaut suits, which we know are notoriously take a really long time to get into. <laughs> but here, yeah, no, suit, suit up. Five seconds, five fucking seconds. <laughs> like Iron Man suit. If you told me that was the Iron Man suit, all he has to do is press a button and just goes, done. Yeah. Great. No problem. This is, this is fabric. This is spandexy leather pleather fabric. Like, yeah, yeah. Do hike just it up like the leg, hike it down the arm, <laughs> yeah. do a little dance. Yeah. It's a biker suit. He does it the whole movie. And I'm by sure the any way. biker will tell you it's not easy to get that shit on. <laughs> and, and how about in the back of the car when they arrest him? But they don't even take his suit away. They just put the helmet next to him, and all he has to do is go. Like this, and then he just gets in. He's like, yeah. like they don't. They, it was full of that. Yeah, those are all. Those are all my tropes. But I, I called your trope. Yeah, that was bloody hilarious to me. <laughs> Do you know what? We you TikTok. You put a TikTok about this gripe you have with films. Yeah. And someone was okay. like, "Oh, you're nitpicking." Yeah. Do you, did you see that? Oh no, I can't remember. Probably. People, but uh, yeah. yeah, I mean, people always like. People get really weird about it, like, you know, they're, they're just responses like, oh, nitpicking stuff, or, or like, what I get a lot is like, <laughs> I get a lot of this when I do stuff about, somebody asked me a question about warp, right, and I did a video about it, which was just yeah. kind of saying, like, answering the question, and the amount of people that comment going like, or maybe it's just a TV show, <laughs> it's like, oh, you're so fucking original, oh my god, I didn't realize it was just a TV show, thank you so much for pointing that out to me, in future, the next time someone asks me a question that's related to, like, responding and explaining time dilation, I won't fucking bother my ass, because it's just a TV show, like, get over it, sorry, that's my other, I know. I'm like, oh my god, yeah, <laughs> so but that annoying. person that said that, they were like, you're, you're nitpicking, and I was like, kind of like what you're doing yeah. right now on this thread, and they were like, oh, honey. And I was like, yes, baby. <laughs> yes. Beautiful. Love it. Oh, honey. Oh, honey. Yeah, Fuck so those you. are the I didn't tropes. see that. All right. I'm going to go find those comments. <laughs> I am a honey. <laughs> you are a honey. All right. Shall we move on? Yeah. Uh, did you have more tropes yes. that you were listing off? No. Okay, cool. <laughs> no. Well, we'll we'll move on then because because uh, that the countdown one, I don't, we don't need for me to start talking about that again. <laughs> Cam. I'd love to hear you talk about your <laughs> countdown spacesuit thing because I find it very funny to listen to. So I, I love nitpicking. Do you know personally. what? I'm, I'm a do, fan of it. I'm all I'm about gonna it. I'm going to do a. If I can remember, I need to. I need to be reminded of this. I'm going to do. <laughs> I'm going to do a TikTok, which will be. I'll do like my. I'll do a top five takes on um, top five or worst five getting into suits clips let me let me yes. check through let me check through what movies we've done i'll do them from the movies that we've already covered or something <laughs> all right okay so let's get into the science of ant-man we're going to start with scientists as we like to talk about how the scientists are also represented and in terms of scientists we have well we have two that are exclusively definitely scientists we have dr hank pym he has two PhDs, one in biochemistry and one in nanotechnology, as well as having expertise in many, many other fields, including entomology, as all movie scientists tend to do. We also have Dr. Darren Cross. I don't know what his area is exactly, but because he's Hank's protege who took over the business, we can assume it's some sort of biochemistry, nanotechnology vibe. Uh, 
it seems so scott lang uh he has a master's degree in electrical engineering so he is an engineer so he has some technical expertise in terms of it makes sense that he might be tinkering around with the electronics and stuff hope van dyne it's not clear what hope is i assume she's a scientist but like she so she's chair for father's company i assume she must have studied science she obviously knows a lot about it but they never say anything about it and there's nothing in her like character bio to say that she studied a specific area of science or anything like that anywho um there are scientists how do we feel no i love your not they're just nondescript science people science people at it how do i feel um yeah like they're they're vague as all hell in what they do yeah she is so vague she just seems like a business lady to be honest yeah oh my god do you know do you know like raf actually referred to her as hot i've (gasps) never heard i've never heard him use that word before oh no he was like she's like really hot it just seems like everyone's in love with her oh frida it's beginning (laughs) <laughs> marvel but marvel basically are like here is a hot person she is hot we are letting you know yeah. this is a hot person so that you know what a hot person is like and i'm like i don't really see it she, <laughs> she reminds me of the the secretary from um the daily B- the bugle in spider-man oh i don't remember whatever yeah, yeah. no i all right. they, they're all fine i don't know what any of them do yeah i mean the they're end. fine like i suppose hank <laughs> Like Hank is is a scientist character. If you want to take it to the extreme of being very serious and real, you know, and involved and obsessed with his work, Darren Cross is, you know, mm-hmm. obsessed with wanting to know what Hank knows and is um, annoyed that his like you know they say protege, his his superior, his supervisor, his whatever, um, doesn't seem to want him to. Uh, Feels like his supervisor isn't allowing him to see his full potential sort of thing. And yeah, Scott's our, mm-hmm. our kind of handyman. And Hope is, yeah, she she seems to be the one who, like you said, she's more of the administrator type scientist, I guess. She knows about the science yeah. she knows, but she also knows like the yeah. business side of it and everything. So yeah, it's like, I mean. Yeah, I see that. Yeah, they're all fine. They're all fine. There's nothing really to say about them. There's nothing There's nothing that stands out characteristically about any of them to kind of really relate us to. Like you said, they're all just generic science yeah. people. <laughs> That's yeah, it. but he has this lab and he does his experiments are basically like, bring in the lamb. And then he's like, <gasps> oh, it didn't work. Bring in the thing. We can't no, talk later. About okay. Can't talk about all right. <laughs> okay. <laughs> all right. All right, let's get into the science. Science. Right. They want to create a soldier the size of an insect. A common Marvel theme. A lot of stuff about military research or contracts and trying to create better soldiers and weapons. Um, But I kind of guess why they... like. So I found it a bit... As we've talked about, you know, Iron Man and all that, this theme is always kind of there. And sometimes it can be a bit like, oh, God, yeah, fine, military weapons again. But when I was really thinking about it, I was like, well, it makes sense because it's the only way to legitimize why someone would be working on this. Why else would somebody be trying to do this other than for some sort of military application? The only way someone would be working on trying to do this is like, you know, Zelensky 
in his attic doing it for lols but like you know there's no there's no why would you have a massive company focused on trying to create something like this it's to create technology what would the technology be useful for it's you know it's useful for defense and defense contracts is what make a lot of money so you know while while the story is a derivative it's um it, it, it makes it's the only way to really give a legitimate reason for why all of this type of technology iron man suit you know super soldier serum all that kind of stuff would be being made on this scale with all of this flashy labs and shit so it makes sense yep it's where the money is yeah fair enough like yeah so before we get into the quantum realm of madness uh let's take a moment for that bloody great safe cracking scene because i know you want to know about oh yes this. Uh, and we talked about I, Pena's I stories, about which I love so much. And then <laughs> I do really enjoy Kurt at the end. Old men have safe. Okay. So what I am obsessed with is <laughs> yeah. I found an insider video with a guy called Charlie Santori, a safe technician, i.e. a safe cracker. And in this video, he rates 10 safe cracking scenes in movies. I'll link the clip in the show notes. But anyway, uh, for this scene from Ant-Man... He has some points that he makes. So the fingerprint bed. Um, so what is something, this is fascinating to me because I've literally never thought about this. Fingerprint casting thing, you know, the, the tape and then making it comes up so yeah. often. And literally the first point that this guy made was he was like, well, if he makes a cast of it, isn't that the inverse of the fingerprint that he's just got? Not the actual fingerprint. Yeah. So yeah. Yeah. So there we go. Just just yep. FYI for every single yeah. time they do this in movies. Um so something that Yeah. He, <laughs> yeah, I know, right? It's like a small little thing, but I was just like, "Oh my god, dude, you've just changed my viewpoint on that Wait. in every movie." Wait. I'm so like I'm thinking about it like is every but is every fingerprint an inverse? No, you take a cast and then you print that. But the way he did it was he took the tape off and he put a ring over it and then he poured the sort of the, like a, a, some sort of elastomer or polymer into glue? it. A glue. Right. And then he used the glue as the, but what what was now on that would have just been the inverse of a fingerprint. Inverse. Yeah. Clever. Love it. That's clever. Isn't it fun? Right. So mm-hmm. in the, so in the movie, they say that the safe is a Carbondale. Um, and what, what Charlie uh, Santori says is that it's actually, that's a made up name. It's not a real type of a safe at all. And the style of the safe uh, also appears to be made up by the prop department, but it does resemble something that's called an old school, like uh, it's not called an old school, something that is an old school door, which is called a diebold vault door. So he says it's got kind of some similarities to that. Now, in terms of getting this type of a door open, he pulls out a tool, which is a very real tool that they use called a strong arm mini rig. And what it does is it applies pressure uh, while you're drilling. And what the guy said is that this, for the most cases, when people are burglarizing safes, you know, we see all those safe cracking scenes and they're like, you know, they're trying to find the code and they're like ticking along and they're listening with their stethoscopes. And he was like, when people are burglarizing safes, they don't do that. It was like, the only time you would do that is if you're trying to open a safe so that you can make it operational again. 
He was like, they might do that as safe technicians to open it so that you would use it as a safe again. But anyone who's going to burglar a safe, they drill it or they use hammers, they use wedges. There's there's no care taken with this kind of stuff. Um, so the tool that he brings out because of the type of vault door, it's not really going to work. So Scott decides to blow it off and he does this using water and liquid nitrogen. Now the idea and the way it's portrayed in the movie is that the water in the locking mechanism will freeze and ice expands when frozen. So it puts pressure on the mechanism and blows the door off. But the thing is, if you did pour water in there, water's not viscous. Like it's not going to slowly travel through the door and pool around the lock. You pour water in, it's just going to run down and come out the end of the door, right? Um, So even if you did manage to get some water in there and then use a liquid nitrogen to freeze it, sure, it would expand. But do we really believe that the small amount of water and ice that is expanding would be enough pressure to blow a steel door off? Also, what he said was that these doors normally have like this um, sheet metal back panel on them. So he was like, first off, there's no way in hell you're ever going to be able to freeze that back panel. But even if you did manage to freeze it, then it would be more likely that the back panel would blow off than the door would ever come off. So while it's a really cool scene to watch and it seems really clever all the stuff that he's doing it's completely unfeasible so um charlie oh the safe technician overall says that it's nonsense but he gave it a three out of ten for using real tools are you disappointed um i just thought there was something more to more to it than he's pouring in water and freezing it with liquid nitrogen and that's enough to like blow it because the thing is that we all know water like really well like in our lives we know what it's like so in my gut my intuition is like I'm familiar with the freezing of water as a phenomenon freezing it in containers like I just don't feel it could blow off a metal door he was like water expands metal doesn't I thought that I would. Yeah, I'm disappointed because I thought that you were gonna. There was more to yeah, it. Yeah, no, than that. sorry. But maybe <laughs> it's like it's like the champagne bottle that you accidentally put and you forget about it in the freezer and it explodes. Yeah. <laughs> um, but translate that to a safe and. Okay. Yeah, that's it. Oh, I know. Shame. Sorry. <laughs> it's meager, but I love the amount, the sheer amount of equipment that he yeah. has with him, including an inflatable mattress and a pump. Well, I like that though. That yeah. So I mean, that was the thing though. The the one thing the guy did say, he was like, yeah. So like the tools and stuff that he brings with him makes sense, and he was also like, but it also makes sense that he's running around looking for stuff. And he said it is actually pretty normal when they're like trying to open a safe that you end up not having the things that you would need and having to kind of look around and see what's on hand. So I was like, that's pretty cool. Oh, yeah. so he didn't bring his own blow up mattress and pump. I don't know. I don't <sighs> remember. I don't remember about that part specifically. <laughs> Whether he bought his own inflatable mattress. Yeah. I thought it was incredibly <laughs> cute. Like it was great. Great foresight. And I imagine that it would have popped <laughs> It would have popped the shit out of the inflatable mattress. Yeah. But um, all good. Maybe he all did. Good. Maybe he's used to blasting doors It was a fun off. scene. Who knows? <laughs> it was such a fun scene. Yeah, it was, it was one of those fun. fun things that's yeah. like, 
This is fun and I don't care that it's not accurate. It it's is fun the, to watch. It's literally I'm the cool only thing in the entire movie science-wise that while was completely inaccurate was believable because of the way it was played. Like you watch it and you thought, sure, yes. I don't see any problem Conviction. with this. Yeah, everything else yes. though. <laughs> and speaking of everything else, when Scott gets but, into but that wait, safe. Wait, just the drawers. Sorry, the, the most realistic thing about the movie were the kitchen drawers full of shit. Yeah, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I Everyone like, has that a kitchen drawer full I, of shit. I believe. Yeah, absolutely, yeah. 100%. Anyways, yeah. Um, Speaking of everything else. Yeah, Scott gets into the safe and he finds the Ant-Man suit. So let's get teeny tiny. <laughs> okay. So Hank Pym apparently discovered and isolated a rare group of subatomic particles uh, sorry, a rare group of subatomic extra-dimensional particles, which became known as Pippin particles, that could increase or decrease the size and mass of objects or living beings by shunting or adding uh, from a subatomic dimension, which we now know as the um, quantum realm and quantum mania. Now, the idea of discovering a teeny tiny particle that we haven't yet seen is totally fine. There's like no issues there. It's just standard particle physics. That's okay. Uh, but extra dimensional. Right. So extra dimensional would mean a particle that exists in four spatial dimensions. But as tends to happen, mm -hmm. they seem to be using dimension to mean a place rather than a, a added direction. Uh, sort of like a parallel universe or another universe that exists close to our own that can only be accessed by going subatomic. Now, we will come back to that. Sorry, I just, I've got to say one thing because someone in the chat clearly listens to the podcast enough to have commented nano nano quantum nano. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> anyway, so pin particles can apparently change the distance between atoms while increasing density and strength. Now, of course, we have talked about this in our classic episode, Honey, I Shrunk the Kids. Zelinsky was decreasing or increasing the space between atoms. Like that's what he was doing. He was decreasing or increasing the space between atoms, which of course is insane and totally doesn't fucking work at all. We know this. We talked about this. You should absolutely listen to our Honey, I Shrunk Kids episode if you haven't already. Um, here, what we're talking about, it's still insane. Still definitely won't work, but... Because we're talking about it happening due to the influence of an as yet undiscovered particle, we can get a little bit more scientific about it. <laughs> okay. Let's go. All right. The only way for this to work is if these pin particles are able to affect the forces between particles. So like the strong nuclear force, the weak nuclear force and the electromagnetic force. So the general idea is that the Ant-Man suit is a containment field powered by the pin particles that has the power to change not just the size of the particles, but their relative sizes and the interaction forces so that you can maintain the person and all their personineous, um, so long as they are within the containment field of the suit. Now, the way it's changing the relative sizes is shunting or adding from this subatomic dimension uh, so maybe we could view it in the realms of relativity. So E equals MC squared. And as he shrinks, the excess energy from the particles is pushed to this other dimension and to grow, the energy is pulled from that dimension, um, converted into what's required for whatever the masses are for the particles, that they have all these relative masses. And then so long as you 
counter the uh, the values of the forces to maintain, um, you know, maintain the electron to the proton and, and so on. Um, my question is what happens in the dimension? Like what's the ripple effect of you pushing or pulling energy from this other dimension? Um, or is just the amount small enough that it's not noticeable? Are you laughing because I'm taking this I so just seriously? Flashed the Rick and, I just flashed the Rick and Morty episode. Yeah, of course you did. Because, you know, did you, have you seen that episode where he's using, he's doing something like this mm. to power his car or something, right? right? Okay. And then in the episode they go down. He, and and basically it like it says what how it's affecting the people in the smaller dimension who are doing the same thing to a universe even at a smaller dimension Amazing. just keeps going. Amazing. And it's it's very funny and it's very clever how he's basically exploiting them and yeah. it's so funny. Um, I just I don't understand because it's empty space that's being pushed and pulled, right? No. That's the difference. So when we talked, so so when we did this in Honey, I Shrink the Kids, that's the way they explained it. They were just like the space between atoms. They were reducing it, which didn't make sense because you're just increasing density basically by doing that to make something smaller, right? Here, they're not, it's not the space between atoms. All the spaces and all the relative distances between the atoms remain the same. The what same. changes are yeah. the mass values of all of the particles and the... Um, the values of the forces acting on them so that it's like scaling everything down. So it's removing these, this removing the extra mass and the, and the energy of the forces sending that energy off to another dimension. Uh, But the, but the relative distance between like the electron and the nucleus and the effect of the electromagnetic force, nuclear force, strong nuclear force, weak nuclear force is all the same, but scaled down. Okay, this is great, but I, a direct quote from the movie, change the distance between atoms while increasing density and strength. That's what they said. I know, and that's, yeah, that's the part then where I'm like... Right. So the suit and its power allows for Tiny Scott. And my next, yeah, so I was like, how is he able to provide a man-sized punch from an ant-sized body? Because that's kind of what they're saying. So they don't explain it. There's just a line where Hope says, um, when you're small, your energy is compressed. Force of a 200 pound man in a fist a quarter of an inch like a bullet, right? So this is my solution. Ish. (laughs) Well, I started out with a solution. As the suit is a boundary where there's some sort of scaling factor, because within the suit, the pin particles are... um, are to scale with tiny Scott, but the forces outside the suit are to scale with normal size Scott. So my idea was when he punches, the effect as it transfers from the, like as the energy transfers from his like punch to the region out, you know, the force moves from internally from him to outside of him, which is now outside of the suit that it, it scales back up. So that outside of it, you feel the effect as if it's normal, Scott. Yeah. Like that's, that's, that's in my mind. I'm like, if you think of the suit as a boundary, if you think of the physical material as a boundary between once he's inside the material, inside the containment that the pin particles create, 
that he can be really small, but anything that's outside of that can be really large. So when he punches, so any of the forces that kind of come from him to go outside, then grow and expand. Um, it doesn't really make sense. It's not a fix. I mean, it doesn't really work because as I say uh -huh. that, like it means that any interaction he has with any physical object, like running on the ground, standing on a table would be subject to normal size Scott pressures and forces. Um, mm. So it doesn't really make any sense. I cannot, then, yeah. I, I can't physics this part of it. <laughs> well, I have a solution. Actually, Do you? Excellent. Yeah, I have a, I have a good solution. Yeah, because what? Well, yeah, we went through this, the idea that Zelensky. By the way, it's crazy. It was saying Zelensky, and I, I thought you were talking about the president of Ukraine for a second. You know? Oh like, my god! Yeah, Zelensky and this guy Zelensky. It took me a second. Yeah. Um, no, the other Zelensky. Um, <laughs> So, yeah, like, he was doing it for space saving. We're like, no, because the density is the same. Mm. Uh, so the weight is the same. And so it wouldn't actually help because everything would be so heavy. What I think is that only, like, they don't understand how it works. I don't yeah. think Hope, and definitely not Cross. Cross has no idea how this shit works. He's just trying and trying until yeah. it works. I think... Michael Douglas's character is the only one that knows the truth about the quantum realm and the pushing and the pulling. And he is the one that knows how it all works. Right. And they're all just like being like, it's this. So that's my solution. Yeah. Well, that, that makes sense because it is, Dar it is Darren Cross who's the one who says about the, the increasing density and strength. And like, that's not. Yeah. Yeah. We know that that's not really what's happening, but, um, but he we don't, know. yeah, but we don't know how to explain how, you know, you can be tiny little ant, but the force, um, the forces that you then apply can be, feel the same as, as mm. human size. So there's something happening there that we don't know when we don't understand and we just accept it. As you said, only yeah, Hank I'm, Pym I'm knows. Yeah, I'm just thinking, <laughs> only Hank, Hank Pym knows. And I think that maybe the force is like, because you, you're going up and then you're going down. Yeah. And so that's probably something to do with the way you can pack a punch. Mm, maybe. Because you, you're punching. I thought that he, he punches as he's small, but then he blows up and then he's big. Do you know what? I think cool, that basically. might be the way that it's done in the comics. That like the punch starts, it's a regular but when punch. it hits, it's a, a regular fist. Yeah. Yeah. That's what I think. And so that would be shocking. Yeah. I think it's a regular punch, but because he's doing it in a way that's like, it seems very clear that that's, that, that it's mm. a regular punch, but because he can be anywhere, basically it's like, um, it's like one of those super fast people. Yeah. But it's the, uh, the question is more like, how is the energy compressed? Like that's what hope well, says. Quantum realm. Hope says the energy is compressed. Okay, so maybe that's what it is. So maybe like when he punches, it's actually pulling the energy back out of the quantum realm, so that then the force of the punch is um, is full size. Is that compressed energy? It's also the difference between someone punching coming at you and someone punching standing there. So yeah. that the full force of the like. The force yeah. of him getting the energy from the quantum world blowing up and packing a punch all in the same instant is a lot more powerful than just punching on the spot. Yeah, that's true. Love Probably. it, love it. Can we all just take a moment, Frida just scienced Marvel. Frida just did something that she hates. 
she tried to find an actual yeah. way to describe something and that she did it for a Marvel movie. If you listen to our podcast, you know that this is a moment. This is a moment. This is a very actually a, this is actually a big moment for me, Frida. I appreciate this. Are you emotional? Maybe a little bit. <laughs> We've been oh. on this long journey. I mean, this nice. is you just did this for me for Marvel and in our um in our like sci-fi series, you admitted that you're starting to enjoy science fiction. I mean, like Look at how I'm changing your world. I'm still thinking about it. I'm still thinking about it. <laughs> All right, let's move, let's move on very quickly. Let's move on very quickly. Move on quickly. Okay. Well, actually, we're all going to throw it all to shit now because we're going to go subatomic. <laughs> Woo! Quantum realm. Okay, so uh, Hank says, if you don't control your regulator, you will go subatomic. You'll enter the quantum realm where all concept of time and space is different. Now, <laughs> I... <laughs> The thing is, there is a quantity of space that we believe is the limit to our understanding of how space and time works. It's the Planck length, right? The Planck length is 10 to the minus 35 meters. Uh, beyond this scale, our physics breaks down and we know that we would need new ways to describe space time. And this is kind of anyone who's interested in this is kind of where the realm of like quantum gravity and, and concepts around that and string theory and all that comes into it. Um, but they seem to be saying subatomic as like a catch all thing. Uh, but when Scott goes down into the quantum realm, he looks to me like he's going beyond the Planck length. Like that's where he's going. He's going down beyond the smallest of what we know. Um, because subatomic is like electrons, quarks, neutrinos. It could be possible that what Hank is talking about, that they literally are just talking about going from classical physics to quantum physics. But it only makes sense to me, like in movie science way, if the quantum realm is below the Planck length. Because we really have absolutely no way of knowing how time and space would work on that scale. How do you feel about it? Um, I don't have a feeling. Yeah, I just, fine. Yeah, I went <laughs> to this thing when I was, I went to, I have a, I have a bunch of thoughts. I, I have a thought about the idea of like going in a level that's smaller and what could be there, which maybe not now. But yeah, I think that I went to this thing called the Hayden Sphere and the, museum of natural history um in upper west side in new york city and they had this they have this big sphere in the middle of the room and and as you walk through you go down in length scales and it goes well if that sphere is an atom then this is oh, wow. this if that's this this then this so it takes you down all these length scales and you just get like in a crazy picture of just how tiny subatomic particles are yeah how much smaller they are than an atom like how much smaller it is than like an electron or then than the atom there's the atom yeah. and then how much smaller the how much smaller the subatomic particles are and it kind of was like it just blew my mind um i find yeah so this and so i go on no no yeah. that's it no i just i want to bring actually now i this i i didn't plan this but i want to talk about this now because I don't know if um, if Ant Man two will be a main episode or a or a mini, um, to be honest, and it'll be quite some time before we get there anywhere. Anyway, but just to something that go something that they expand on in Ant Man two, right? Is they when they go down into the whole quantum realm in Ant Man two, and you know find Janet, and then there's this whole thing with ghost and ghost is quantum phasing and all this kind of stuff. But they get energy, they get quantum healing particles, right? 
So, so this whole thing, like, oh, quantum healing. <laughs> I find it so infuriating, the whole concept of it. I genuinely find it really infuriating. But something that I do find interesting, and it, and it links to what you just said there, is that I just think that people who purport quantum healing genuinely don't understand what we're talking about when we say quantum. Like they honestly do not understand how small we're talking about. And when you're talking about something so incredibly small and you're talking about the actions of an individual electron and the size of an individual electron in comparison to anything else on a larger scale, like the idea that you could influence an individual electron and that that would have an influence on your energy and healing in your body is completely wild and insane to me because how how is influencing and then people would go like oh well it's not just one electron it's like well then it's not fucking quantum physics if you're influencing masses of electrons it's not quantum physics you're influencing multiple atoms you're coming into statistical mechanics it's not fucking quantum like i just it just drives me insane and and it's like i think a lot of the a lot of issues come where where people read into things too much in these types of movies this whole quantum oh my god what if there's a quantum realm it's like no there isn't a fucking quantum realm sorry very aggressive. Deepak Chopra oh, did it. Fucker. It was Deepak Chopra. I know. And, Joe and he does know what quantum is. That's actually the worst part of all of this is that he knows very well that it's yeah. not quant- nothing to do with the word quantum. And like he does know. Yeah. He intentionally misuses the terms. That's the worst. That's what I can't stand more than anything. Yeah. No, it is exactly. Is that they he do just it- uses a term. They do it for money and it's infuriating. And then people will be like, people will come to us as scientists and be like, oh, you're just following, you just believe, do you just believe everything that they tell you? And I'm like, you're the one reading Joe Dispenza and Deepak Chopra and believing the shit they're telling you when their aim is to sell you something. These people, these quantum healers, all of this, they're all selling something and you're buying into it and then you're coming at people like us who are doing this for fucking free giving science education for free, not asking you to buy anything. And you're saying that we're the ones that are trying to manipulate and control you. And it's just insane to me, this this complete disconnect that we have with the concept of what's going on. Wait. Okay, sorry. I think that the spiritual healing and self-help in of itself is totally fine. Oh no, absolutely. But the borrowing, borrowing of terms just clearly in order to lend something legitimacy or to make something feel scientific is the problem no this is this like, is what i'm if talking he was about straight up self-help spirituality yeah. no problem if deepak Chopra, i'm sure he wants to help people's lives but he so clearly borrows scientific things and exploits the mystery around quantum yeah. and i actually had this conversation with a family member of mine i won't say but talking about quantum physics and he she asked me what is quantum physics and i basically said it's just the physics that governs the very very small that's it it's just that's it that's it it's like, the set of it. mathematical and, tools and, then, and equations that we use to be able to describe interactions of subatomic particles or individual that's atoms that's it that's all it's literally and, when something and, is when yeah. you have one atom moving 
you use quantum mechanics to describe that movement. When you have multiple atoms moving, you use statistical mechanics or thermodynamics to describe the movement. When you have multiple atoms that form a solid or something, um, and then that solid is moving, you use classical mechanics to determine how it's moving. If you have a sun and a planet moving around a sun, you use general relativity to describe what's happening in that. Like, it's just, these things are not at odds with each other. It just is all different forms of matter. Scales. Yeah. And, and I, the, but with the, the quantum phenomena, there are phenomena that we get excited about because it seems like if you would translate that to the macro scale, that it would seem like action at a distance or magic or, mm. you know, things like that. It's spooky, right? And, and I said this to this family member and she was like, so maybe that just means like things are spooky and that's spirituality. And I was like, no, as a scientist, I don't just go spooky fun. I'm like, it's, ex- I want to know you keep going until you find the theory of everything. Like, it's not, you know, I'm not interested in, like, woo, like, mystery. Maybe I'll but, just fill in the gaps with spiritual nonsense. But also, nonsense. like, this, this idea of, like, spookiness and then equating that and saying it's spiritual. This is what I don't understand. So I agree with you. Spirituality, fine. Absolutely. Self-help, fine. I, like, if you want positive thinking, I don't think manifestation is the right way to go about things. But low levels of manifestation, <laughs> just in terms of changing your mindset and how you approach the world... Like, totally fine. But the problem is there are people out there and they identify themselves as quantum healers. That's what they call themselves. And they teach you about how to manipulate the energy. And they say that you can do this because they have misunderstood quantum mechanics. They believe that there are these certain things happening um, in the quantum realm and that that is what you can and that because we can't describe it accurately uh what they don't understand is that we can describe it accurately we can absolutely describe the behavior to like the highest precision of any other model that we have we can't explain why it happens the way it happens so because of that people then buy into this whole oh well scientists don't even understand quantum mechanics so nobody understands quantum mechanics and it's like yeah i can't explain to you why entanglement is a thing but I can explain to you how entanglement works and I can explain to you that it is not communication. And with the whole electron observer effect thing and people always love to bring up Bohr and they love to bring up like, oh, well, even Einstein, blah, blah, blah. And it's like, cool, that was 120 fucking years ago. Shit's changed. Um, Bohr's like, what, 50, 60 years ago. Shit's changed. Uh, it's, we know more. We understand more. We have better technology. We have better investigative investigative methods. We have better experimental setups. Uh, We have learned more. We have more data. We can understand and analyze things more. People bring up the observer effect because they misunderstand the double slit experiment because they think that in the double slit experiment, because of some fucking bullshit video out there with an eye, that when you look at an electron, it changes it. So that's why they've got themselves into this idea that you can quantum heal yourself because you can just change the behavior of an electron by observing it, which means you can alter your reality by just observing your reality, like creating and manifesting your own reality. They don't seem to understand that you change the behavior of the electron by actually physically interacting it with a fucking photo detector. Like they leave that shit out all the time. And then people are always, oh, well, mm. explain the double slit experiment. It's like, fine, they hit it with a photon. They hit the electron with the photon and it changed its behavior. That's standard. If you have a car moving and you hit it with something else, you change the direction the car is fucking moving in. It's not that complicated. Sorry. 
But also, also the observe, you know, the probabilistic uh, existence of something, and then once you make a measurement, it stops being a probabilistic because you have the measurement. But uh, I just also that thing about the quantum quantum uh, level uh, is that we can't observe it, so that makes it complicated. Yeah. and we haven't got the tools tools yet to observe it. That's where that's where shit that that's the thing. And the thing is that we have this massive discovery because, and this is what I was saying to this family member, is that we couldn't observe things at gravitational waves because we didn't have the technology. And oh my God, and miracle of all miracles we produce the technology yeah. well not we not you and me but humanity did until we observed it and that's the that's how that's because science is amazing as of yeah we can't observe things at a quantum level because we don't have the technology and that complicates things because we have to make inferences yeah. and so then it seems like we don't know you don't know it's like we don't have the technology right so you know life's but, but this sucks. is what i mean maybe one day we'll have the technology but this is what i mean when i'm saying about the scale factor Thing, because that's the thing people mm. people get very caught up on that and it's like okay but how do you physically think that you looking could resolve an individual electron how do you actually think that you could physically see with your eyes something that small you can't it's not possible for you to and also the only way you could possibly see it is by photons hitting your eyes reflecting off the electron and hitting mm. your eyes that's the only way that you actually see or like emitting from the electron like the only way that you actually see it is by something else interacting with it and i get it that a people that we don't really on like a lot of people don't have the education to understand this kind of stuff but they're out there claiming to be quantum healers and claiming that you can just what look inwards and change the behavior of electrons. How? You're not even looking at them. If you want to, if the observer effect is what you're using, you're not even, how are you observing the electrons inside your body to change the behavior? Like it doesn't make any mm. sense. And it's, I find it very infuriating because it gets so much more traction than anything else. And then you have movies like this come out and it's like, it's, I want to be like, oh, it's a fun science thing. Or it's a goofy thing. And we can just all kind of enjoy and laugh about the quantum realm and whatever. But then you get people that take it so fucking seriously and then run with this bullshit science mm. idea of quantum healing particles. And you, you just get stuff from the quantum realm and you can heal yourself and blah, blah, blah. So anyway, the quantum realm's not yeah. real. It isn't real. When I was in year 10 or year 11 and I started learning about atomic behavior, I was like, I, the question that I asked my teacher was, do atoms have brains? How do they know what to do? Mm. That was my question. And it just, this movie reminded me of that. Like if all this spooky behavior, like let's go down, you'll find all these spooky people. Yeah. And it's all the spooky people <laughs> that are making all the spooky behavior happen. And I was like, that was, that was like me when I was in year 10. And I was like, wow, there's spooky people yeah. just pushing everything around. And, and this movie answered my question, which is yes, there are spooky, tiny people. There are weird, tiny people just like pushing shit around. And I knew it. I always knew it. That's the answer. But also, this did remind me of something, actually, something real in science that's actually a real thing. Not, not on the quantum level, but on the micro level um, or the nano level, even um, micro, let's say micro. Okay. Um, I don't want to get nano, nano quantum, but I read Rachel Carson's book, The Edge of the Sea, and she's like fascinated with the micro world. She says there is universes at the micro level yeah. of like uh, creatures that are so so tiny but they have entire ecosystems that it's so rich if you if you like you know look at like one little spot you know and, and the way that space does tend to open up because everything is so tiny and from our point of view we don't see it but if you really really have the ability to look down it, it is a whole universe yeah. and it reminds me of that the way he goes down and he's so small that suddenly the spaces seem so big between things and suddenly everything just seems so rich and so interesting and it is like that not at the nano 
level, but at the and not at the, certainly we you know we we could never say be, below that, but we definitely know that on the micro level how rich things are, and then from that we learn how precious you know, these ecosystems are. And if we had that, you know, we, we all understood how rich really things are on that level. We wouldn't, maybe we wouldn't destroy things as easily. Right. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, it'd be nice to see a movie about like the micro planet. I'd love that. I'd love if I there was a movie about the micro level. Is, is there where they gave no, all these so little beings faces and mm-hmm. huh? No, I'm saying I wonder, but isn't um, something that we do have yeah. to do at some point, I guess. Now I've never watched it. So maybe you've seen it and you know, but Inside Out, isn't that something kind of mm, along that I was that thinking, line? Oh, yeah. yeah. Emotions, hormones inside. Oh, okay. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. I love putting faces to, you know, molecules because I feel that it, it, it does feel some, some, sometimes that, that the way nature works is with so much intention that it almost seems like you would anthropomorphize all the yeah. little things. And I totally relate to that and did it on the quantum level. And I, you know... Um, but, but there is something magical about if you go so small and suddenly, you know, the eye of a needle is incredibly rich and full of stuff like that's mind blowing and amazing. And there is certain truth to that. And I do love the idea in the movie where he shrinks down, down, down. And you think, wow, like what if you did shrink down? Like what would everything look like? How would everything appear? What would I be seeing? What would a fleck of dust be? What else is in the air? What would microbes look like? It is kind of like you take all the bullshit out of it. It's kind of amazing just to think like what's in the air around us. Yeah, that's I love that scene. I think I actually think that scene is excellent. And I love that visualization of everything as you go down and seeing just just how they kind of depict it all as he gets smaller and smaller and smaller. And even at that point, he's, he's getting smaller and smaller and you think, oh, it's really small. And then you still haven't even gotten to an atom yet. And it's like reminding ourselves, like, these scales are so, like, they're so vast. Like, I, I was, when I was trying to, I've been trying to think for a long time of a good way to, to try to help people visualize these scales. And I still haven't come up with anything. One of them is that um, if the observable universe was the size of... Like, uh, oh God, what have I got around me right now? I've got a Vaseline pot. I don't think that's going to help with the audio. Uh, A walnut, a walnut. If the visible universe is the size of a walnut, like the entire observable universe was the size of a walnut, we still wouldn't be able to see the Planck scale. I've said that wrong. If you blew it up. If you blew the entire universe up. It's already blown up. If you blew a walnut up. If you blew a walnut up. (laughs) I think. Fucking hell. What is wrong with me? If you scaled a walnut up so that a walnut was the size. Okay, so a walnut's a small object. And if you scaled a walnut up so that the walnut was the entire observable universe. Right? That's a small object that you make the size of the entire observable universe. You still wouldn't be able to see the Planck length. If you scale the plank length up, like in line with scaling up the walnut, That's you still wouldn't be able to see the plank length. Like, yeah, see, it's really hard to try to explain this so that people could actually um, visualize it properly. You know, it's like, it's just. Yeah. It, it, the, 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 but I'm saying in, in, in the in the, the Hayden sphere in New York, if anyone's you know, ever chance, get a chance to get there, the, they, the way they tried to do it is they have this sort of static object in the middle. Mm-hmm. And as you walk around, you go further, you start with the observable universe and you go down to the smallest known objects, which is like the quark or what's yeah. known. And then they even it's funny because between an atom and subatomic particles, I think they go 
there's actually length scales that we know nothing at these length scales. Yeah. I love that bit. That was my favorite bit of the exhibition where it was like, there is nothing that we know that is at this length scale. And we go down a few more. That's a quark, wow. and I was like, <laughs> "I wonder if there's." It, it was um, so. It was so cool. I wonder if there's a picture of it or a video of it somewhere that we could pop on Instagram or um or yeah or TikTok. We'll have a look. Yeah, yeah, all my right. favorite exhibition. Okay, well so let's cool. let's move on then. Let's let's move out of the quantum realm. Um, the last thing Ooh. that I want to just bring up is just uh, controlling ants. Last thing we need to talk about. Classic. <laughs> So Hank says that if he uses, uh, he says that he uses EM waves to stimulate their olfactory nerve center. He speaks to them. <laughs> She's shaking her head. Okay, so listen, converting his thoughts to EM pulses, that's fine. That's not, that's not a mad thing. That's, that's possible. Uh, but directing those thoughts to ants at great distances and then the ants being able to process those EM pulses into some sort of message um so the the thing is ants are great communicators right uh, but they communicate with each other using pheromones um so hank would have to find a way to convert the em pulses to pheromones which in principle like you can convert an electrical signal to a chemical one and if the ants were all equipped with neurotransmitters then maybe just maybe you could send some sort of a message but like what kind of message like we've talked about this in terms of even just communicating with yes, alien species like what is ant language could they take that pheromone message and comprehend it as like a complicated set of instructions or directions? Like, could they understand human intention? The whole like, it's just, no, it, it doesn't make sense. But also to me, like, I, I, I feel terrible saying this, but like the whole ant thing, like I know it's the premise to the entire character, but I just find the whole thing so fucking stupid. It's so crazy stupid. <laughs> And also even the sounds the ants make. It might okay. be because um, of how I feel about Hank Pym, though. Maybe if somebody else played that character, maybe I would have buy into the ants thing a little bit more. But it's just, it doesn't. Michael Douglas I... controlling ants with such fucking... No, it's the... F <laughs> I'm going to make this, I'm going to say this once and I'm never going to say it again. Them controlling the ants with their thoughts... Mm is just as likely as me controlling you with my thoughts. <laughs> it's not easy. It's not more likely to happen in an ant than it is in a human. Can we do that with each other? No. Can you do it with ants? No. That's it. And all, yeah, we've, we've been through this. We had a good chat about this. I think it was the Independence Day. It was. Um, it was. So we tried to do a fake. Them. We tried to do a fake thing where I tried to... <laughs> Do you remember that? I tried to send you a telepathic message. But it is stupid. Abby, it is really dumb. Like all the different ants. Also, another another thing, like him being on the bed, we've surrounded you with ants that will bite you. He's like, okay. And then he just walks out of there. You're like, oh, so that was a, a whole thing. But they thing. let and him he walk just out. Stepped there. They made the, they made they the space. They've like been controlled to allow him to leave the room to go. Because she said, Hank's waiting for you. Oh, okay. It was so that he couldn't leave. Sorry. <laughs> so he couldn't run away. Took away my plot hole. Sorry. <laughs> um, gonna bite him. Yeah, he was fucking stupid. Yeah. Like I was, I was thinking about Auntie the whole time. I was thinking auntie. about old Auntie <laughs> that they rode. Um, in Honey I Shrunk the Kids, this one lone aunt that they were like, oh. And then, of course, you know, they have to do a million ants and they're all just like, ah, 
And I was I mean, like, oh, I miss Auntie. To be fair, Ant-Man predates Auntie. Just, just, just to be fair. <laughs> Our face. <laughs> She's so mad. Move on quick. <laughs> All right, the ants yeah, are stupid, stupid and there's no community. You, you wouldn't be able to communicate with them. You, you can't just like use the impulses to fucking stimulate their olfactory, whatever the fuck. It it's just no. No, but it was also using a little bit of information about ants that we all know yeah. and then just going with it. Like, yes, they can carry a lot. True. Yes, they work in a community. True. We can learn things from ants. All good. Does It's not enough for me to, yeah. like, believe any of this at all. And we and and anything that they said about ants that was true, we all learned when we were 10, you know? Yeah. Like, also, like, work in communities. It's like, Spider-Man yes. doesn't require spiders to be a part of the story. So, like, Ant-Man doesn't need ants to be a part of the story. But, you know, look, fine. <laughs> Sp- Spider-Man doesn't have a special connection to any other spiders. Yeah. Note. Also, if he did, none of us would watch that fucking movie. <laughs> but the sounds that the ants make, I'm sorry, yeah. they were like... All right. It was so annoying. Okay. So Ant-Man is fun, of course. And I'm still a Marvel stan. It doesn't matter. Like, it's not my favorite Marvel movie. But like, you know, and obviously we are all obsessed with Paul Rudd. No matter what, we will forgive him anything, I think. But um, yeah, science-wise, Ant-Man is not happening. (laughs) No, but good for Paul Rudd. Like, he has really made it. I'm thrilled for him. Yeah. Um, wow. Okay, so that's it. That's it for Ant-Man. Let's move into our final section, which is what the fuck? What the fuck? What the fuck? Frida, what's your what the fuck moment? I've got more than one. I know what yours oh, is. Oh yeah, though. okay. I've got a couple actually. So I'll start with my first one, which is okay. The whole thing of like. Um, the twist, my daughter is actually working with me. It's like, oh my God, that's a crazy twist. (laughs) Well, no one would have ever seen that coming. Like you were at your father's house. I was not, I would never be at my father's house because I've been running this whole thing that I don't like him. But you know, it's like this dumb, it's so (laughs) stupid. This dumb thing, like I'll make him believe I'm angry at you, but actually I'm just not angry at you. Okay. I am, but not enough, but I still work with you. But like, what the fuck? But the, what, the, what, the, what the fuck moment for me was, them talking spy stuff in the fucking presentation room and it reminded me that we've seen this in other movies where characters go off to the side to be like listen we have to get this done like quickly in the room in the room you think he doesn't have cameras in that room you think he doesn't have security anywhere like what you're supposed to know this are you not like head of the (laughs) storyline okay what's your first what the fuck okay well my first one is you leave that fucking lamb alone um I couldn't, I was so distraught by the lamb. And then when he said subject 35C, all I could think was how many, how many were in categories A and B? How many little lambs were destroyed for the, for the sake of the yellow jacket suit? Just devastated me a little bit. And there is a difference between lambs and mice. Uh, Very much so. You need different ethics to work on lambs than mice. Every scientist knows that shit. Yeah, why did he have to use a lamb? Was it just because we were supposed to hate Darren more because he used like a sweet, cute little baby? Yeah, probably. So disgusting. Um, my next one was, we talked about it already, but Michael Douglas just trying to make she went subatomic, have emotional weight was fucking hilarious. 
so like even picturing the scene. Oh my god. <laughs> I know. I know. Oh, she didn't so hesitate. No. She she didn't hesitate. She went summertime <laughs> and she was like. Okay, another what the fuck I have, and I know it's because it's trying to hide that Michelle Pfeiffer is the mum, and I know, but the only photo of the mum, her face. I know. <laughs> I know that. Again, this whole movie, every detail, everything is just so ridiculous, like whispering there, the, the mother had no photos of the mother, the face in it, like everything is so dumb because it's, anyway, um, what's your next one? Oh, when they did the the promo video for Yellow Jacket, they're <laughs> just obsessed with like this whole promo thing, right? But and then they're like an all-purpose peacekeeping vessel. What? <laughs> yeah, and it's well, I I guess it's the, it's the irony because it's like peacekeeping. It's like yeah, that <laughs> was so ridiculous. The promos were ridiculous. It was like it, oh. it was it was like Chat GBT write me a promo for a. <laughs> like a new military technology that i'm showing and it's like first one then many a whole army keeping the world peace it's like yeah yeah i've got one more what the fuck and this is why were they kissing immediately outside the door immediately outside the door he opens (laughs) the door and they're like i think we're supposed to i think we're supposed to assume that he grabbed hope and kissed her I think we're supposed to assume right that it was that moment that, like, yeah, they went outside and maybe she was going to go off another way and he was in the classic, like, grab, but we just didn't see the pre-thing. Because he says that I know, thing about, like, yeah, I hope grabbing me and kissing me like that. What? Oh, so he grabbed her. But also just just yeah. the, just the, like, go to the side. Like, go to the side. Anywhere yeah, but else. We, yeah, but how else are you going to get that like, shot of opening the door and them kissing? Come on, Frida. That's my point. (laughs) That was my point. It's the worst place to kiss I've ever out, like right in the door of your dad's office. All right, all right, all right. (laughs) Okay. All right. That's it then. That's that, man. That's it. (laughs) What's your final verdict? Did the movie pass the Sam's test? (laughs) No. Absolutely not. No. Yeah. yeah, like the only woman scientist, classic, her father's a scientist, and all the guys mm-hmm. want her. And also yeah. Evangeline Lilly, she's like such a – they put her in there when they want a like, hot person. Mm. It's like, you know, they, they uh, put her there yeah, because they, she's they kind of – yeah, and it's like the whole thing, like she's there, you know, in service of men, and Judy Greer is only there as the, the kind of the partner and – yeah. So, mm. yeah, there's no there, – and there's no other women, so <laughs> whatever. Anyway, did it pass? Here comes the science. I mean, no, no, of course not. No, <laughs> not even a little bit. Yeah. I mean, I even want, I want to give it a little bit. Like I want to, of course I do. It's Marvel. I love it. But it's just like the only thing that I will give it is the concept of the whole pin particles just being something that could affect, like, like we could never say, we could never say mm-hmm. uh, whether that yeah, is something it's... that could or could not ever happen. So bold and you know. dash. Bold, but what's it called? Not hand wavium. It's the other one. Oh, boulder dashium or something like that. Oh, the no, two I things are science remember. fiction. Balonium. Yeah. Yeah. You just B- make bologna-ism. up something. Balonium. Balonium. Yeah, as opposed to hand wavium. I'm all for balonium. Yeah. yeah, like it's this particle, no problem. Um, yeah. As long as nobody says, because who knows? Like maybe we could discover it. Just don't say that. But my yeah, comment no, was I before mean, was. Yeah, I don't think there's anything in science or physics that would ever say that there 
potentially could be a subatomic particle um, that would have the ability to interact with uh, uh, with with everything else to change the relative values of mass and, and forces and stuff like that. And also we're talking about a fourth dimensional thing. Like while, while we, while we can't say whether there would be, I mean, I do view the quantum realm in terms of this. when you go to quantum mania that I don't view it as that it's a, a, a microcosm, like that it's a universe existing on the quantum scale in my mind. It's more that you travel through the quantum scale travel down below the Planck length to then access this parallel universe that that's like the doorway mm. to this other universe sort uh-huh. of thing. is how I view it in my mind rather than it being all of these these you things existing yeah, yeah so I hear that you know there's certain there's certain yeah. aspects where they're taking ideas and playing with them in a way that I think is you know fun but yeah cool. it's, yeah um, I agree but there's no real sense I agree whatsoever. <laughs> it's fun but yeah the, yeah the Michael Douglas doing that makes me want to give up being a scientist forever Oh my That's god, seriously. It. What's your final verdict? Two. I'm at Two. three. Oh, good. I think it's I think okay. it's my lowest Marvel score. Mm. Mm. But yeah, you're right. It's just to me, again, it's just it's just Michael Douglas. He's just the wrong, <laughs> wrong casting it's for a, that character. Awesome. So wrong in so many ways. It's it's all of them. It's my worst part of scientists in movies being like, I'm a scientist, all in one movie together. <laughs> Not believably acting, not looking, not sounding, yeah. nothing. No, not even trying. But fun movie, All right. nonetheless. Yeah, yeah. I mean, still fun. Uh, so funny, goofy Ant Man. We love the goofiness. We not so love the science. Right. So that is it for Ant Man and Frida. Next movie is your choice. What are we doing? All right. Next one, we're going to go for like a good movie. That's the cleanse my soul one. So we're going for a movie that was released in twenty twenty two. 2022 what what are we in it was released in 2022 and it's called after yang so we're gonna go to some ai which is super topical and it's been a while so can't wait i've never um i never heard of it and it's got um colin farrell in it so i was like it does interesting it's supposed to be one of the best movies of last year so i actually was on my list and it's on Netflix wow. or some shit, so. Cool. Oh, I'm going to watch it um, today Disney. then. Disney. I think, maybe. Great. <laughs> Somewhere, yeah. All right, cool. So if you want to join us in two weeks' time for After Yang, please do. Uh, give us a rating if you haven't yet. We would super appreciate it. Follow us on TikTok or on Instagram at Science at the Movies. And um, yeah, thanks for listening. Uh, yeah, that's it. I'm Anne. Toodles. Toodles. TTFN. Toodles.